As we remain standing, open your Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter number 1, way up by the book of Revelation, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1. I want to continue on where we left off last week. I, 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 hope, I hope all of this will make sense. Uh, I've come to find out that over in the Spanish department over there, uh, I was talking about chicken, and they caught on to that real good. They understood what I was talking about when I was talking about ha having chicken and uh, how it wasn't fattening and it was a new thing, and, and uh, they caught right on to that. I was told later on that made perfect sense to them, and so I'm hoping that you caught on to that too. 2 Peter chapter number 1, starting at verse number 4. I'll read out loud. You read along with me, but we'll read this together. Starting in verse number 4, 2 Peter chapter number 1. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. And beside this, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, they make you, they make you, that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged of his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, we talk about that tonight, make your call and election sure, for if you do, there it is, these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or necessary, if you would, as long as I am in this, pres in this tabernacle, he's talking about his body, to stir you up, putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye, that ye may be able, after my departure, to have these things always in remembrance. I want to continue tonight. Now, we won't actually talk about these things tonight be talking about some other preliminaries and things that have to do with this. So actually, I'm going to talk again about the product, and we'll talk about the ingredients uh, probably starting next week or something like that. So that was the idea. If you weren't here, I was talking about chicken, how I, how I figured out how to make chicken that's not fattening, it's, it, no cholesterol. Uh, you can eat as much as you want. You'll never gain weight. Now, if I did that, you'd go like this. Really, how's it made? That's what you just say, because chicken is fattening, full of cholesterol. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you can't eat all you I can, but uh, it's just the way that it is. So if I came up with a chicken, that's a fried, fried chicken. Now, don't give me broiled stuff. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Talk to me. 
fried chicken with French fries, salt, and watermelon with salt on it. You eat watermelon salt on it? I love watermelon salt on it. Oh, my soul. You say it's watery enough. You have no idea what water is. You put salt all over watermelon. And don't cut it in little chunks. Cut it. Cut it. And get your face in. You all know how to eat watermelon? Come on. What's wrong with you? I love watermelon. Anyway, let's get back to chicken. If I told you I could make, i come up with a formula for chicken, no cholesterol, non-fattening, not greasy, you could eat all you want to and never gave an ounce. Gave an ounce. Guess what you'd say? What's the ingredient? How do you make that, right? So I am trying to tell you about this biblical product, if you would, if you would, and then I'm going to tell you how to get it. I'll tell you about the ingredients later on, okay? That's what they like. They like that part of it. So tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we'll not get to these things. We're not going to get to the ingredients, but we will talk again about the product, what you're going to get if these things be in you and abound. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit here tonight. So let me refresh your mind here just a moment uh, on the promises that God gives his child that if these things be in these things, these things, it's mentioned five or six times in this first short area right here, verses 4, 8, 9, 10, 12, and 15, these things, specifically, he's talking about some things, these things, not just anything, these things. And what that's the ingredients. But I'm talking to you about the product. I gotta talk to you about all that. So let's have prayer. Father, thank you for the Bible. Ask you to please help me tonight to help your people. Who would have ever thought that these kinds of products, steps, ingredients, keys would be in the Bible that tells us the outcome if you do this, this, and this, this is yours. If you don't do this, this, and this, it's not yours. How kind of you that it's not left up to guesswork. You actually told us, here's the product. If you like the product, here's the ingredients on how to get the product. Thank you, dear Lord, for helping us to do that. Help me now to help your people, Lord, to, if you would, salivate, want, mouth dripping for this product. I've got to have that. That's something I desire. Help us, please, tonight to understand this, how important this is, not just to the cause of Christ, but us as individuals. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. God makes promises about these things. God is saying what these ingredients will produce. Now, these things are going to produce something. So he didn't just say, well, you need to do this. No, then he tells us, here's the reward. Here are the, the biscuits if you put in all the ingredients the way you should. I haven't eaten yet today. And so you find out here also, if we meet the conditions, uh, right now, if you're reading your Bible through, you're in Deuteronomy there at the end, and he talks about cursings and blessings. Are, are you reading that? You remember that part? And in there, he will tell you, now, if you do this, this, and this, I'll bless you. And he tells us what those blessings will be. But he said, the blessings are yours if you do this, this, and this. Then he says, but there's also cursings. Now, God didn't just go, bang, I don't like you and cursing on you. He said, if you meet these, if you don't do this, here's what I promise you. He said, if you do this, here's what I promise you. How good of God to tell us ahead of time. 
So the choice is really ours, right? Okay, so we meet the conditions. What is the outcome? First of all, we found out in verse number 8, you'll always be useful. I, again, I don't know of anything. I don't know how people sit in a church and don't get involved. Almost from the second week I got saved, I, I didn't know anything about church. I was already involved. I was already singing in a choir. I was already helping with the teenagers. I was already putting in sidewalks at the church. I mean, I hit the ground running, and I didn't know anything about anything. But if it's going on at the church, I want to be a part of it. And so he, I don't understand people just, oh, I just kind of hang around. That's it. I, I don't understand that. So here he's saying, if these things be in you and abound, you'll always be useful. In verse number eight, he said, you'll never be barren. You'll always be producing. There will always be something there in your life that's producing. Number two in verse number eight, you'll have what kind of success? What kind of success did we talked about last week? Success, success, or good success? Good success. See, a lot of people head out to be successful, and a lot of them are. They build businesses, they become millionaires, they build houses, they do, and they have, a good, they, they have success, but not good success. This is, what, this is what God promised to Joshua. He said, if you'll be strong and you will not go to the right or the left, but you'll walk straight just like I told Moses to, you'll have good success. Not success, good success. There's a big difference, but we don't know the difference anymore between good success and success. But if these things be in you and abound, he said, you'll have good success. I want good success. I don't want to just be successful. Actually, in America and many places in the world, you can do that almost anywhere, succeed. And, and, and come out on top somewhere. But to have good success, we don't really know what that is, but God promises that. Number three, you'll never stumble. Now, what he's talking about this, he's not talking about stumbling and losing your salvation. He's talking about tripping up in your Christian life. He's talking about here about somebody who's not, not falling, but wrecking your testimony. Somebody who is just life has become shipwrecked, cast away. You become a sermon illustration. You always hear preachers go like this. I knew a family that, that's a sermon illustration. I know a guy who did this, this, and this, that's a sermon illustration. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be a sermon illustration, a, a bad one. You want to be a good one, don't be a bad one, okay? And so God said, okay, you don't want to stumble. Look in verse number 10, shall never fall. That captured my attention. What? Shall never fall. Uh, by the way, uh, let's see if I can find this real quick. This is bad for me to do this. Um, nah, I better not. I could find it in time, but I would waste too much time. Uh, I'm looking for a, a sister passage that would, would, we could talk about that also. Understand the greatness of these things. Now, you don't even know what these things are. But if I show you a great product, evidently what's in there must be great. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, you can't use Volkswagen Beetle parts and come out with an Audi. It doesn't work that way. You cannot have grandma's biscuits and put in your own ingredients. You have to put in grandma's biscuits, right? What she puts in, that's okay, and you have to do it the way she said. And you also, I told you last week, some recipes say, no, you can't put that. Here's all the ingredients. But you can't just drop it in a bucket and, and stir it up and put it. Some of it has to be added at certain times. I don't know why that is. I don't cook. I don't bake. I eat. And so what I find out is, though, I do know that's true. I've watched my wife do that. And she'll go, I, I won't you just put that. No, you can't do that yet. 
You have to wait until this settles a little better. That's mixed first. I don't know why. It must be a chemistry thing, but I know it's true, and we're going to talk about that tonight also. So we're talking here about being a castaway. How many castaways do we know? How many people, I believe every born-again Christian starts off hitting the ground saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live for Jesus. I don't think anybody gets saved. That doesn't matter. I'll probably fall by tomorrow anyway. I think everybody starts off and says, I'm going to do this. They don't start off to be a castaway. They don't start off to ruin their testimony. But it happens. We all know people who have done that. Okay? And so then in number five, uh, please understand uh, these things. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. Quit struggling about all this. If you do this, these things will make you. That's what it says right there. If these things be in you and abound, they make you so that, and it tells you, okay? Number five, you'll never change. Uh, one thing that causes a lot of confusion, I think, more than false doctrine, uh, more than uh, uh, liberal theologians, is change. Constant change is very frustrating. Uh, teenagers, uh, I've often said that kids growing up in a home, really, honestly, they don't mind how strict the home is if they understand how the game is played. You keep changing things every time that kid turns around. He doesn't know what to do. One day you beat the tar out of him for talking back, and the next day, oh, he's just a kid. Leave him alone. Now, I don't know what to do now. Believe it or not, a child can adjust to just like going in the military. Look, if you don't like being told what to do, join the military. That's what I did. And, uh, and so what you find out is there is a system, and that system works. And if you give into it, it's not near as bad as you thought it was. And so what happens here? He said you'll never change. Churches are changing. Christians are changing. Families are changing. People change the Bible. People doing it. Everything's changing. Here's what the world said. Ah, forget it. That's what kids do. If you go home and say, no, we always go to bed at 9 o'clock. They whine about it. They'll cry about it. They don't like it. But they get used to it. What do you folks do at your house around 9.30? We're already in bed. They already know, right? So they, that's not the problem. The problem is, is when they can stay up until 3 in the morning, and then they have to go to bed at 9. Why do they have to go to bed? They're whining about because it it's, it's not set. It's changing all the time. Churches are changing all the time. This is where you get this all the time. What church is right? Where should I go? You know, there was a day when any time you ran into a Baptist church, it was very, very similar. But that's not true anymore. And here's the outcome of all of that. What are we supposed to believe? I mean, what is right anymore? Like somehow it's God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. So he said, you'll never change. In other words, you know Christians, and so do I. These things, though, these things here will make you so you will not change. You don't have to change. And if these things are in you, you'd know exactly why. And then, number five, help you clearly see the will of God for you. I talk to people constantly all the time. Just trying to figure out what God wants me to do. Figure out where God wants me to go. Figure out who God wants me to marry. Figure out who God, if we're supposed to have kids. Figure out if we're supposed to go to this job, that job, buy this car, buy that home, move over here. It's like they don't know anymore. You mean to tell me there's a God in heaven and we actually have a Bible. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have truth. We have a local church. And we somehow cannot figure out what God's will is for next week. 
Something's wrong with that, especially when you run into something like this in verse number 9. It says you cannot, if these things are not in you, you cannot see afar off. You're confused. It blinds you. But if these things be in you, you can know the will of God for your life. I'm not trying to get spooky with you. I'm just trying to tell you the Bible here. Wouldn't that be refreshing? We got Baptist people running all over the world. I don't know if I'm supposed to be missionary. Maybe I'm supposed to be pastoring. You know something? I'll try this church, and then I'll try that church, and then I'll ask this preacher, and then I'll ask this preacher, and I'll go back to that college, and then I'll run over here. And all they're doing is frustrating themselves even more because as soon as they say, I know the will of God for my life, two years later, they change again. And the Bible says, do not meddle with them that are given to change in the book of Proverbs. Don't do it. Why? It's not good. Something's wrong with that. And so we find out here, most people decide the will of God by circumstances. You ever talk to people like that? It must be God's will. Everything's falling into place. Well, somebody needs to tell Paul, you're in prison. You just got beat, stoned to death right outside the walls. Everything's falling into place, Paul. He was in God's will. But somebody has told us, the charismatics, look how God's blessing our life because we're doing everything right. If that's the case, every millionaire out there is living for God, right? Every one of them's happy to the hilt. That's not true. So, but God promises a byproduct of these things, among many other things, you will see on down the road God's will for your life. I didn't say the end of it. Uh, an illustration would be a miner's hat, the, the kind they used to use, coal miner's hat. They'd go down there and they would have a hard hat on and have a light on the front of it, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That light did not show them the bottom of the tunnel. That light gave them enough light to work in and see where they were going. That's it. God is not going to to show you everything in your life, good and bad, all the way to the end of the road. His word is a lamp unto my feet, that's where I'm at, and a light unto my path. Okay. So why is it people can't see their path? Because they don't understand light. You know why they don't understand light? Because these things aren't in their life. These things have to be in you and abounding, overflowing in your life. It's real easy to go like, I don't think that's a smart move. How can it some people can do that and other people can't figure that out? So we'll talk about that tonight. Number six, we talked about you'll always possess a portion of eternal happiness or joy. I've done funerals where people are, Baptist people are weird. They really are. Uh, We've had, I think 35 or 40 people uh, pass away that were members of this church. I got a list of them in my office. And uh, some, they, it's like uh, Miss Vicky's here, some of you others here have lost husbands and wives and babies and so on and so forth. And uh, you talk to people, and it's almost like you're there comforting other people. I really feel sorry for you. It'll be okay. God will take care of things. And you're kind of smiling and going along. And they keep thinking, how do they do that? You see, if these things be in you and abound, they give you joy that people just don't understand. You know why? It doesn't come from here. It comes from there. It's a piece of eternal joy that God gives to you that's always in your life. I would like to have things like that. And so, verse number 8, if these things be in you and abound, would anyone like the guarantee of always being useful for God? I mean, if you're a Christian, wouldn't that be ideal? Just in case you would like to have good success, good success, all right? Just in case you'd like to never stumble, become a a sermon illustration, ruin your Christian testimony, everybody runs into sin, so don't don't do that. 
Uh, I'm talking about, I ain't getting back up. I ain't. I am not getting back up. And I ain't either. And uh, I'm just not going to do that. Uh, I've had it. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm not getting back up again. And the Bible said a righteous man falls seven times yet rises up again. How's that possible? Because he must know something we don't. Number five, how would you like to see the will of God clearly for you? I'm going to talk about that tonight. Number six, possessing always a portion of eternal happiness. These eight things, these eight things are the ingredients that will be produced by the seven promises. I'm sorry, these eight, these things, there are eight of these things. Eight of, you follow me? There are eight, these things, that if they're in you, will produce in you these six promises. These six that I just labeled, one, two, three, four, five, six, always useful, uh, always good success, never stumble, never changing, seeing the will of God for you, always possessing a, an eternal happiness, a joy there. These eight, these things are the ingredients that produces those six promises. We just read it right here. In the, our problem is we really don't believe everything in the Bible. We say we believe the whole Bible, but we don't really believe uh, as long as we believe it is close enough to our definition of reality or plausibility, we believe it can be done. Did you understand what I just said? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see God doing that. What about the things you can't see God doing yet? So God can only do what makes sense to you. God can only do what's plausible in your mind. Is that what I'm saying? If that's the case, this ain't going to make any sense to you at all. Just those promises don't make sense to you. No matter what I run into, you mean to tell me I can always have some joy? Mm -mm. I'm not going to tell you that. The Bible told you that. You mean I'll be able to see more clearly the will of God for my life as I go forward? Yep. I, I'm not going to tell you that. The Bible says that. Right there. It's right there in your Bible. And so what happens is if we believe that it's within our reach of real doing, we'll believe it. Okay. Uh you tell me what you do versus what the Bible says on this instance. Ready? Forgiving when you're not at fault and they don't deserve it. That's in the Bible. Now, we say we believe the whole Bible. That's in the Bible. The Bible says to forgive. Where did you draw the line? They did it on purpose. I can't this time. Yeah, it's in the Bible. And God tells us to. So we say we believe the whole Bible. We have problems with some things in the Bible, don't we? Okay, for example, tithe and give offering when you're having a tough time making ends meet for you. All the church wants is money. You're a tightwad. Uh, no, what's happening here, yes, you are. You're, you're all about money. That's why the first thing, as soon as I mentioned that, the first thing you thought of was you and your money. I don't need your money. I got so much of that filthy green stuff, I don't need any of that. So what happens here is this. The Bible talks about tithes and give offering. God talks about the blessings of that. But see, we disagree with that. How about following and obeying the leader because he's the leader and you're supposed to submit to him? Well, I don't care. I don't care much for what he said. I'm going to go ask my friend in New York. He's a pastor too. So really, you don't believe the Bible. You just said you believe the whole Bible. But there are certain things in the Bible, if it's not within our realm of plausibility and makes sense to us, we have a real hard time following through with that. Amen. I'll, I'll pat yourself on that. Now, 
You say, well, if, 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 if you can't quite go along with having these things in you and abounding, just close the book on these promises because they're not yours. It says so right in the Bible. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that, and it gives you these wonderful products, this wonderful promises, these, these six promises that if these eight things be in you and abound, here's you going, really? Is that really true? It's in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. You read it for yourself. But just in case there may be one or two people in this church that really wants to be the kind of Christian God wants us to be, these things must be in you. I'm not talking tonight to the average Christian. I'm not talking tonight to the Christian that goes to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday. I'm talking to the Christian that you want your whole life to be about God. That's all that really matters to you. I'm not talking to the person, oh, come on, are we talking about becoming a fanatical person here? Is that what we're doing here? I'm not talking to you. It'll never work for you. Let God be true and every man a liar. It will work, but it won't work for you because you don't believe God and you're not going to go through with it. You see, I'm not talking, uh, I, I, I am not in it for the, I'm not talking about the person who's in it for politics. As long as the church makes you look good and as long as things kind of go your way, you're all for it. What happens when it doesn't go your way? What happens when I don't agree with you? I will guarantee, I'll just tell you ahead of time, I will guarantee you sooner or later, as the old preachers used to say, I will visit your chair. I will come to your pew and look you in the eyeball and say something you're not fond of. You say, why would you do that? Because that's the way I am. No, because it's needed. So what happens here is this. It, it, we go on feelings. My feelings got bumped, and, and I'm, that's the kind of Christian I am. I'm listening to people today talk about the military and they're asking people on campuses, would you ever think about joining the military? Here's what one girl said. Are you ready for this? We're talking about future leaders of America. No, because the way they go about it just doesn't fit my nature, and I think it would be offensive to me. We're going to turn our military over to dummies, frail people that can't endure anything. I got uh, Gio Rodriguez uh, in, in our church. He, he's going in, I think, in June. Who? Gonzalez, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the other Mexican. And uh, what happens is he, he's getting ready to go into the military. And so I will talk to him and I'll say, um, so when are you going in? I'm going in into June. He said, wow, right after school, going to jump right into it. I think he's changed his mind, but it's too late. My brother tried to change his mind after he joined. They wouldn't let him change his mind. They came and got him twice and made him go back. They come up in these little party wagons, you know. I'm sorry, paddy wagons. And they arrested him and said, we've been looking for you. And off they went with him again. So he just thought, I changed my mind. I don't, I don't like this. You know, like, I, I don't like going to school. I don't want to go to church anymore. Well, the military has just decided you're not getting out of it. What happens when you get yourself in a situation that it won't let you out. We get out of our marriages. Kids get out of their families. People leave their church. I'll tell you something right now about the military. It's changed. It really is. A bunch of sissified people for the most part. But I will tell you one thing. You ain't getting out of it. The only way you're 
way you're getting out is a dishonorable discharge. I don't know what brought that up. But anyway, I talked to him about that, and I said, now look, you write me and let me know what's going on, okay? And I just look at him and, and giggle. I said, man, you're in for a tight kick with him, man. So anyway, I'll try to help him. Now, let me list these eight things. Go to verse number five. Let's go there real quick, okay? First Peter chapter number one, verse number five. Here are the eight things that will produce those promises I just talked to you about. I didn't make up those things. They're right in the Bible. Now I'm going to tell you the eight ingredients that these things, these things are eight ingredients. Well, watch what it says, starting verse number five. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, charity. Verse number eight, watch. If these things, what things? The things we just read. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. There it is. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Did you read it? Oh, you're staring at me because I'm cute. Read the Bible. Don't leave from here and say, I disagree with it. If it's in the Bible, you have to agree with God or you're not a very good person. Now, listen, these are some preparations we must make in order to have these things. There are some preparations. Let me tell you what they are. Number one, okay, we need to get through this tonight. There are some preparations about these things. Here's one of them that you may not think about. No one of these things done alone will get you any of those six things. None, sorry, let me say, no one of those eight things will get you any of those six promises. Okay, listen to me again. Let me say it again. No one of these things done alone will get you any of those six promises. He didn't say, if that be in you, these are yours. He said, if these be in you, and abound. Example. Let's suppose you're a person who gives themselves helping and living for others. Let's call it charity. Okay? Charity's one of them. Right? And you say, well, I have charity, so, I mean, I'm expecting something. You're not getting anything. You have to understand, there's big time promises. This is, this is big league promises here. God is saying you'll never fall. You'll always have happiness. You'll know the will of God. You, all these, those are big promises. Those are big promises. And so God said, know all these things. This is a great quality, but none of these promises are your. Being a charitable person is a great thing. Talks about it throughout the Bible, charity. The actual giving of love to other people. That's a wonderful thing. But it has to be not that, if that be in you. No, he said, if these things be in you, they make you. See the plural pronouns there? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump into English and ruin your night. Now, so what's he talking about here? These are the big league promises, and the price does not come cheaply. You want these? Pay the price for it. Don't just make it up. He tells you what the price is. These things have to be in you and abounding. If you do that, God said, you get the cholesterol-free fried chicken, never gain any weight, eat all you want to. God didn't say that. I'm not, okay, but you understand what I'm talking about. He said, well, I just, I just need more patience, you say. I, I'm going to work on getting more patience. That's great. It's wonderful, and that's probably what you need. But even if you accomplish that, you're not getting these promises. It's not I'm trying real hard. And God said, okay. 
well, I, okay, I've done most of them. I've got four out of the, out of the eight. He said, if these things, and he listed those things. If these things be in you and overflowing, they make you. Those things is what makes you what God wants you to be so God can give you those products. You said you believe the Bible. You're finding this hard to believe, aren't you? I do. I find it hard to believe. It's amazing stuff here. It's big time stuff here. So what's going on here is this. You are probably right that you need these things in your life. But to get these six promises, you will need to pull all eight of these into your life and abound in them or no promises. None. Not one. You can have three of the eight. You're not getting it. He grouped it together like a cluster of grapes and said, this comes as a package. These things be in you, all of them, and abound, all of them. Here's what I promise you. Now, if you, you just bought into the product, you go, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that's nice. Wow, that's possible. God said, okay, now that I got you see the product here? Here's how you get it. You follow me? Or you follow the Bible? Here's what he's talking about here. You say, boy, preacher, uh, that you're asking a lot. Seriously? You're asking a lot. God said, these things will make you so that you'll never fall. That in itself ought to get your attention and say, whatever that costs, I want that. Okay, okay. You go like this. Oh, somebody fell into sin and it just ruined my... So you know how that feels, right? You don't want to be one of those people? Make you that you never trip and fall to the point you're shipwrecked and you're not getting back into it. You know how that hurts, right? We've all had preachers, relatives best friends, they're out there in sin somewhere, they're not going to do it again. Oh, it's so hard to get started. You want to be one of those people? No. Okay, God said, I will guarantee you, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you never fall. That one singular promise or product would make you want to do this, I would think. So, what do we have here is this, never falling. I would, I would take that and build on that for all I'm worth. So, number one, no, this is what you have to understand. There's some conditions here. No one of these things, you, you follow me? Done alone will get you any, any of those promises. You can do any of them. You're not getting anything. These things. Okay, there we go. Now, so it does not say if you try hard. See, God's not going to give you a trophy for participation. Well, you tried. In this particular case, you either meet the conditions or you get nothing. Again, we're not talking about salvation. Everybody understands that, right? Not talking about salvation. So what happens here? It does not mean the promise of having these six promises if you possess four of these. He said, man, I'm so close to it. Okay, stay at it. Be diligent. Go after it. But you're not going to get these things. You're not going to get these promises until you have these things in you, number two. So number one, no one of these things done alone will get you any of these promises. Number two, you must abound in these things. You must abound. You can't dabble in this. You can't try it because I think it'll be neat. They have to abound in you. Abound means running over. Abound means overflowing. 
Abound means abundantly. Abundantly. So you just read those things, these things, and in your mind you're going, ah, okay, maybe that's not me, but that was me. Yeah, I do that. That's good. But the promises are not yours. Unless these things be in you and about overflowing, abundant in your life. You'll not possess these big-time promises by trying these things, by dabbling in these things. I think it would be neat to have these things. It's not for you. It's not for you. This is a person who's given themselves to want this, to be that. And God said, they're yours. That chicken's yours, buddy. You put in the right ingredients, that's the kind of chicken you're going to have. You put in the right ingredients, those are the kind of promises you're getting. I promise you, God always keeps his promise. And God is saying, these things be in you, I'm promising you this right here. He didn't say if you try real hard. There's nothing conditional about that at all. You do this, these be in you, that's what I'm promising you. It's that simple, okay? You're reading in Deuteronomy right now, if you're reading through your Bible, if you, if you don't do this, you're cursed. And he tells you what that means. If you do this, you're blessed. And he tells you what that means. So he tells you the ingredients of cursed or blessed. You know whose decision it is? Mine. Same thing here. Same thing here he's talking about. You want to possess always being useful, having good success, never stumble, never have to change, clearly see the will of God for you, possess a portion of eternal happiness. You must overflow to running over with faith, virtue, Knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Not one or two of those, all of those. That means this little half-in, half-out Christianity, just turn the page, this part isn't for you. The problem is it is for you. I say, here, this is for you. But you can't go about it that way. But that's what I meant, you understand? So we find out here, that's really not for you. This, I'm still in the flesh, and we're all human excuse for Christianity. That's not for you. Everybody's human. We all mess up. I don't know why we even have to tell people that. Isn't that kind of like a given? No, we all do. But if that's your excuse for your lazy type of living, that's not for you. It's a big-time promise. But there's big-time Rewards and gifts that come along with that. I'm talking to people, folks, perhaps even all over this building. If you don't want to end up shipwrecked, God didn't save you to leave you in a ditch somewhere to struggle the rest of your life. He didn't plan that. That's our plan because we will not follow what he said. If you don't want to become a statistic, if you don't want the devil hurting and using you the rest of your life, and he will, if you don't want to become a statistic for him or a sermon illustration, you ought to run and find out what these things are and as diligently as you possibly can start adding them to your life because I need those promises in my life. Because look at what the promises are. If you're serious about it, God said they're yours. And you're going to pay the price. You're going to have to go after it. And he tells you how to do that too. So number one, no one of these things done alone will get you any of those six things. Number two, 
you must, you must abound in these eight things. You must abound in these eight things. Christians that say, what's wrong with this or what's wrong with that or show me where I have to, this is not for you. This is, this is all willing. This is all, I'll fight for it. This is, I'll do anything to possess this. So it's, it's not really for you. Christians that say, I'm saved. I, I just don't think you need to go that far overboard and become a fanatic about the whole thing. This isn't for you. This will never be yours. You must be willingly, willing to yield to the point until it's overflowing, I haven't done enough. When you've done that, God said, these are yours. I promise they're yours. What am I saying? This is not for the Sunday morning Christian, as I said before, the Thursday night Christian. This is for the seven-day-a-week. I'm talking about at your home, on your job. I would be thrilled again to see men walk on their job with a Bible under their arm, not your phone, not the Bible on your phone. What are you ashamed of? What are you ashamed of to carry a black book to work with you? Well, they won't allow it. Who in the world said you're supposed to mind them? There are people on that job, just like Elijah, if he would have stood up that day, there were 7,000 others that were waiting for somebody to stand up, to stand with him. That's all that was needed. Somebody to take a stand and say, I'm bound down. I'm not giving in. Ahab, you can do what you want to. They were waiting on him. The whole nation was waiting on one man to stand up. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, for it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is... This world is not winning. Our Christ is winning. And I am on the winning side. Somebody ought to write a song called that. Listen to me very carefully. I'm talking to people who want to sell out to God. This, this, this could be yours. I'm talking about people that's more than just, I think I'm doing okay. That's not for you. This is not for you at all. These things, and so, number one, no one of these things, you got to understand that, no one of these, I do that, I'm sorry, they're, they're not yours. It comes as a cluster. Everything on that stem, on that, it comes together, okay? Like the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It comes together. Peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, faith. It, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And so what we have here is, uh, it, it go down to, uh, so number two, you must abound with all eight of these things, not the promises, these things. Number three, they must come in right order. So you started with charity. So, oh, I, I think I got that one. You're out of order. Or it's out of order. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you get patience first, you're not getting any of these promises because they must come in the right order. Look at verse number five. Look at verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. If you don't have faith, you can't add virtue. There's nothing to add it to. Each one is adding to the one before it. So just look at it. Look how it's even worded. What does he say in verse number five? Beside all this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. He could have said it this way, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge temper. But it, 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 it's, it's an understood fact. 
in context that that's what he's talking about. Add to it, add to it, add to it. He didn't say replace. He didn't say come up with a better idea. He didn't say come up with your own standard. This is what God said in verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It starts with faith. If you're not saved, you need to stop right there. If you don't believe God, what is faith? Faith is believing God and doing what he said. Trust him enough to do what he says. Trust him enough to do what he said. It's not just belief. I believe God can do anything. Then why aren't you serving him then? See, it's just talk. It's just belief. Something in your head. But true faith is believing enough to trust God. I believe the load limit on this chair is at least 300 pounds. That's what I believe. By getting on there. <laughs> so then you don't trust that. You don't believe enough to trust. So faith is this. I believe that. That's faith. I believe in the statistics of this chair that it will hold me and I trust it. That's faith. Faith is not quoting Bible and believing Bible. Faith is believing enough to trust it, to follow through and obey it. Right. So let's talk about these things. Okay, you all worried about me, aren't you? <sighs> Who's that? Am I? God bless your heart. Now, watch it. So, you can't replace one with something that's a little more convenient. These things. He lists them. He didn't leave it up to you. He lists those. You do not add as you can or the way you like. You add two. Next, you add two. Next, you add two. Next, you add two. It's like building a wall. You don't lay the first foundational part of that wall, scoot all that out of the way, put another one down. Oh, that looks good. Move that out of the way, put another one down. You don't start laying a block wall and then use stone, block, 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 big stone, block, 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 block. You can't do that. You have to build it the way it was designed to build. There's a design here. You want the blessings of God and these promises? There's this. Here's the design. No one of these. You can't put a block down and say, look at the wall. You can't, it's not the way it works. You cannot say, you know something? I know what it says, but I got a better idea. I'll just rearrange the whole wall. What do you think the owner's going to do when they finally see it? What did you do to my house? I had a better idea. I don't care what kind of idea you had. This is what I wanted because that's the result I was looking for. This is God. Okay? And so what happens here is that they must come in the right order. You do not add or take from or have a better way. God is building your house. I'm sorry. His house, which is you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. You have no right to do what you want to do. Though God gave you a free will. So, got just a few more minutes. Watch this very carefully. I said, number one, no one of these alone will purchase this for you. Number two, you must abound in your life in these things. Number three, they must come in the right order. They must come in the right order. You have to keep that in mind. Number four, you must be diligent to get them. Uh, you know what diligence is? <laughs> diligence means 
do it quickly and properly. Diligence means hurry up and do it right. Diligence means right and fast. Illustration. Uh, when my son was younger and we were working on the property all the time over here, uh, James was uh, cleaning up uh, over here or the backyard, and, and uh, we got to talking about things, and uh, I would tell James, I, I don't like it when I'm working and people just lazily walk along. No, when I work and have a pace, you're keeping up with me. So James, this is my son, and uh, he knows better now. Um, he was, um, he'd go like this, and I said, son, hurry up and get that done. Hurry up. So then I'd tell him also, quit playing around and get the job done. Here was his retort. He would say this, I'm trying to do it right. That makes sense. Anything wrong with that? I've got a bucket of rocks I need him to pick up. He's going to take it all day so he does it right. One bucket of rocks. That okay? Everybody? Everybody following that? No? I'm doing what you said. That's the teenagers that's working at McDonald's. You told me to mop the floor. Mom, I got fired because they said I don't work. I was working when they fired me. This isn't work. Mopping and sweeping is a very hard job. You don't believe me? Join the military. You won't believe how much you mop and sweep. Everything, even dirt. They'll have you mop and sweep and dirt. So what happens here is this. What he was saying was, Dad, you can't have it done right and fast. You want it done right or you want it done fast? You ready for the answer? Yes. Which do you want? Yes. One and both. As soon as you learn to do something right, learn how to do it quickly. You don't give up right to do something quick. And doing it quick is not an excuse for I can't do it right. Diligence simply says that it's quickly and properly. Hurry up and do it right. Do it right and do it fast. That is what diligence is. And here he said with diligence. He used that word, diligence, right there in the Bible. And so we find out here this mentality, this unscriptural philosophy that either you want it done right or you don't want it done quick. Uh, my brother uh, was a very hardworking man. And this is just the way, I don't know who taught him this, because in the military he was a clerical typist. Now he's like 6'1", 220, clerical typist. He went to Germany, and they said, what's your MOS? That's what, he, what, what were you trained for? He said, clerical typist. Don't need one of those. Now, they sent him to Germany. They said, we don't need one of those. They took keys to a tractor trailer, learned how to drive that truck out there. He said, I'm driving through town, clipping buildings, scraping the daylights out of cars. You know why? That wasn't his job. But you know what? That's what they needed, and you're going to learn how to do it. Now, before I, I, you get to thinking, man, he must have been a great soldier. I wasn't. But looking back on it now, I see the wisdom of what I could have been. So there we go. All right? Now, so what happened here? My son did the same thing. Example, if you just go out, they would tell you, uh, you go out and just get everybody saved. You're not doing a thorough job. You can't do it that fast. Well, in some countries, that's probably true. And in America,
America, it's become conservative. So what they're telling you is you need to slow down and be thorough or you can't soul win that way. You do not have to sacrifice doing things right for hurrying up. And because you're good, look, I drop off, um, Carl Hatch at the Walmart when he used to come here and preach. And he said, just drop me off at the door because he, he had a hard time walking after his accident, got hit by a car head on. And uh, so he dropped him off the door. By the time I parked the car and got up to him, he already won two people to the Lord. He hadn't gotten the entryway yet. Uh, that's ridiculous. You can't do it that fast. If a heart is under conviction and a heart is already yielded, many times the people we win, we really didn't win them. Somebody else has been plowing that ground and working with them. You just happen to come along at the right time, pick the fruits, and look how fast that happened. And you become very proficient at it. But somebody has told us you can't do things fast and thorough. Really? My brother, if you dumped a whole truckload of gravel, my first question to him was, how long do we have to do this? He said, what's that got to do with it? Get a shovel and get busy. See, I want to pace, right? We're all about pace, right? I want to pace. If I've got 15 hours to, 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 to move this gravel, it will take me 15 hours. Not with my brother won't. I don't care if it's this, it covers this room. Whatever pace he started at, he stayed at until the job was done. Unbelievable worker. So that's why when somebody, we're walking along and they're doing this. It gripes me to no end. I'm just letting all you guys know in case you're working. I didn't realize it one day, but I don't normally eat during the daytime. And we get these teenagers out here and they start working. And pretty soon they go, preacher, are we going to have lunch today? It didn't even dawn on me. Didn't even dawn on me. This old guy didn't need to eat lunch. I wasn't thinking about you, poor baby. And so they need to run down to, to the UDF and buy $25 worth of food. They just can't go on. <laughs> Diligence. Diligence means go after it as quick as you can. Make sure you do it right. Which one do you want? Diligence means both of them. Do it quickly and do it right. Do it right and do it quickly. That's what diligence is. So you need to sacrifice. You don't need to sacrifice right for doing it in a hurry. A Christian can be zealous and knowledgeable. It's what we're doing in our church anymore. Charismatic church, hallelujah. Oh, dance ribbons. Oh, junk. Oh, don't know the first thing about the Bible hardly. Or you come to a church, you sit around and go, let's delve deep into the word of God. Let's discover for the next 45 years the word the. Very interesting. We're found throughout the Bible. The word the. Wow. And so we all said, so we freeze or fry. Well, you got to do one or the other. No, you don't. Baptist church are dying because they've lost their fire. Right. Why they're saying we know a lot about the Bible more than we used to. You're dying. Right. Why can't we have both? That's called right. diligence. Why can't I have fire and be knowledgeable about the Bible? Why can't I have zeal and know the Bible? Why can't I do something thorough and do it quickly? Why not? Because somebody has told us we can't. So we're out of balance. So in case you want these six things, we'll pick this up next week. Good heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much.